ask the question. Does that make sense? So because I was asked the question, and I think, and, and, and when I was asked the question, my first response was, wow, that's a really good question. Um, so I did, some, I did a little bit of reading, and, and, and I'll, anyway, I learned, I, learned a, I learned a little bit uh, from the question because I, I you know, did some research on it. And I wanted to share with you the question and then some of what I learned, okay? Um, and the question... <clears throat> um, was this, and Lawrence, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the on the question. Um, oh, well. <laughs> oh, Lawrence is so embarrassed. Um, so, um, is murder wrong? Okay, murder is wrong. Okay. Well, then the question was this: if murder is wrong then why would God command Abraham to commit murder? Is that not a legitimate question? Okay. <clears throat> okay, what's the, di- what's the difference if you... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for us, it's easier. Oh, that's just a sacrifice. But if you're the, the son, you might go see murder. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. So I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great question. So, you, you know, I gave my pat answer because I've been asked that before, um, but I, I, I just felt like digging into it a little deeper um, to kind of think what, you know, to find out what other people think. So. <clears throat> I came across an article, and I'm not going to read the, the entire article uh, just because I don't have time. But um, in the article, the the author gives one, two, three, four, five, at least five reasons why God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Okay, and I and uh, so I thought I I'd share the I just share the main points with you um, because I found it to be very interesting. Um, the first one, he said, um, God commanded um, uh, God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to test Abraham's faith. Okay, that was you know that was the his first point here. Um, God's uh, testing or proving of faith. Um, is something that he does in our lives today as well. Uh, we just don't sacrifice our children. Um, uh, the second point he, he says is God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to validate Abraham as the father of all who have faith in God. I had never thought of that. That is, an, that is, a, that is a good point. Because Abraham was what? Okay, he's the patriarch, or he is the the original seed to the nation of Israel. Um, so he is the father of Isaac, <clears throat> who is the father of Jacob, whose name was changed to what? Israel. Israel. Okay. So <clears throat> so Abraham. Uh, uh, so this was to validate. Uh, 
Abraham as the father of all who have faith in God. Interesting point. I, I, had, never, I had never thought about that. Uh, the third point that he gives is that God, God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to provide an example of absolute obedience. That's a good point. Um, because, you know, God had said that Abraham would be the father of a great nation, and if, and if that leader was not absolutely obedient to God, what would happen to the offspring? They wouldn't be obedient either. So, <clears throat> uh, the next point. Uh, God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to reveal God as Jehovah Jireh. Um, uh, uh, God will provide. The Jehovah Jireh is God will provide. So, uh, on the in in root, uh, what does uh, Abraham tell Isaac? God will provide Himself a lamb, and so uh, it is to prove that. Um, but this one, this last one, was the the one that I I just went, oh my. God's command to sacrifice Isaac was to foreshadow God's sacrifice of His own Son. The hill. I think I brought this out last week or week before. The hill in which Abraham does the sacrifice is called Golgotha. And it was the very hill that Christ was crucified on. Many centuries later. But the picture, the picture of the, this was, uh, he, went, he goes on, he says, the story of Abraham um, uh, prefigures the New Testament teaching of, of the atonement the sacrificial offering of the Lord on the cross for the sins of mankind. Here are some of the uh, parallel, uh, the parallels between the scripture, uh, excuse me, between the sacrifice of Isaac and the sacrifice of Christ. <clears throat> Take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, John 3.16. The city of Jerusalem uh, would later be, uh, would be built many, many years later. Uh, Jesus was crucified in the same area that Isaac had been laid on the altar. Sacrifice Him there as a burnt offering, Genesis 22.2. Uh, Christ died for the sins according to the scriptures, First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter fifteen, uh, verse three. Anyway, it goes on and on. But anyway, I just I um, I, I just wanted to uh, share that with you because if someone had the question, obviously, um, then others may have been thinking the same thing, and I just felt like it was worth sharing with you uh, because I learned a couple things out of it also. 
Yes. Always find that story very interesting that always about Abraham sacrificed his son, but Isaac voluntarily laid Yeah, absolutely. I Isaac Isaac again, and I think I talked about this, I don't remember. Um, but Isaac was a young man. Uh probably most theologians think I believe think he was in his twenties or thir- even early thirties and could have very easily overpowered his hundred plus year old dad. Um <laughs> You ain't killing me. <laughs> but you know, he okay, this is a this is another parallel here, okay? Isaac laid down his life. Okay? Christ gave his life. That is an incredible parallel. Because you know, I have a, I have, I've shared this before, but I have a, I have a friend who, who's, who's Jewish, and, and when we started becoming good friends, uh, he said to me, um, he's like, he said, Rick, he says we, we can't really be friends. I said, why not? He said, because I'm, I'm Jewish. Okay. And that's what I said. So what? And he's like, "Well, we we killed Jesus." I said, "No, you didn't. The Jews did not kill Jesus. Jesus gave his life for my sin. The Jews did not take his life." And he just kind of looked him. He really didn't know what to say. But anyway. Um, so I, I just see the the, the parallels are, are are just incredible. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate that. Uh, any other questions before we we move on? Okay, hold hold that. Genesis chapter twenty two. By the way, okay, go ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know when we. When we read the story, like Jim said, we often put the emphasis on Abraham. Um, but I, I believe that uh, Isaac was just as faithful, if if not even more uh, obedient to the to the will of God. Um, so yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. <laughs> I showed that picture, you know, I, I showed that picture to my wife, and she said she doesn't look very mean to me. <laughs> I said, well, that's the best she could muster. So, okay, Genesis chapter 22. Uh, anything else? Anything else? Okay, Genesis 22. Um, uh, I mentioned last week uh, we we're, we're, we've, we've started uh, this uh, little series here uh, that I'm calling the Trail to Mount Moriah. Uh, that's the, the, the uh, hill in which uh, all of this sacrifice was to take place. And uh, last, last week, I, wanted, I want to share it again this week, um, there are four things that my hope is that we will get out of this study. Um, the first one is that our trail of faith is an important part of our Christian lives. Um, uh, I, I think 
I, I, well, I don't think, I, I know for a fact that the trail of faith that Abraham and Isaac took to that mountain was, an, was, a, was a critical thing in both of their lives. And oftentimes, the, the trail that God brings us down, uh, we don't always recognize that those are important trails that God is doing a work in our hearts and lives. And we need to recognize that. The second one is that we need to learn how to respond to God's command in our lives. <clears throat> and we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. Uh, our trail of faith uh, can often involve sacrifice. And, and you know, obviously, in this particular uh, case, that is definitely what happened. Um, sacrifice was, on, was definitely uh, on the table, so to speak. And then the fourth thing that I'm hoping to be able to communicate is that we need to learn to trust God to meet our needs. Uh, that, is, that is so critical, so very, very critical. Our trail of faith will oftentimes lead us to the, to the door of impossible. I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, there have been a few times in my life where I have gotten to the door of God, what you're asking is impossible. And He's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. The, the birth of Isaac seemed impossible. But we serve the God of the impossible. And I praise God for that. Genesis chapter 17, I shared this last week, uh, 16 and 17. And I will bless her and give, give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be uh, the mother of nations. Kings and people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born of him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? So Abraham questioned right out of the gate, okay, this is impossible. But God is the God of the impossible. You know, I find a, another parallel here that I just, it just dawned on me. Uh, the parallel here between the impossible birth of Isaac and the impossible birth of Christ. I, I hadn't, I just hadn't put those two together until, until just now. <clears throat> but that's a, that's an interesting parable as well. Uh, last week we, we uh, talked about the request and uh, point uh, A. Uh, was a calling to the test. In verse 1, God uh, told Abraham uh, to go to Moriah, which was a three-day journey. And he packed up everything and and went, uh, took his servants along, and they got to the point where uh, they were getting close to the mountain. He leaves his servants there. And he makes an important statement to to his servants. He says, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, we'll be back. Incredible, incredible amount of faith. 
And then I asked two questions at the end, near the end of the, the message last week. And that is, how did he respond to the test? He responded right. He responded in obedience. And then I, the second question I ask is, how would we respond? And I'll be honest with you. Uh, doing what Abraham did, I, I don't know that I could do that. Well, that's not true. There were a few times with my kids growing up I wanted to do that. <laughs> but no, seriously, I don't know. I don't know that I I could do that. But Abraham was a man of incredible faith. This evening we're going to pick up a point B under request. Not only the, a call to testing, but a a call to sacrifice. A call to sacrifice. Let's look at verse 2. Uh, chapter 22, 22, verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Isaac was the promised seed of Israel. God had, God had promised I, uh, Abraham in, in, in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verses 5 and 6, that, uh, that he would give Abraham the, 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 the promised seed in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And, and he brought him uh, forth abroad and said, <clears throat> Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. He believed that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. Did he understand how he was going to fulfill that? I don't believe he did. And in, 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 in uh, the passage we, we read uh, just a few moments ago, when God, when he was uh, uh, basically 100 years old and, and Sarah, Sarah was 90, he laughed in his heart when he said, okay, it's time. The impossible birth of the son. And Abraham and Sarah <clears throat> were not surrounded with children. Think about this, okay? Isaac was an only child, and they were they were old people. But can you imagine every time that they saw Isaac? What do you think they thought? God is good. There is a precious child. There is a child that will do great things for God one day. Can you imagine? You know, those of you that have multiple kids, it's you know, it's it it, it can get it can get crazy at times, can it not? But when you, that one child is the promised seed of Israel, <clears throat> 
Can you imagine the, 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 the thoughts that would run through the mind of Mary and Joseph with, with Jesus, knowing that he was the Son of God? Can you imagine every time that they would see Jesus, can you imagine some of the things that they would think? Isaac was not only the promised seed, but he was also the promised son. God not only promised them that he would be the seed of Israel, but that he was the promised son. Now, I don't know. I just, and this is just my imagination. I just always expected him to be one spoiled little brat. You know, (laughs) I don't know. He may not have been. I just, being born into a family where your dad's 100 and your mom's 90, you know, there's probably not a lot of discipline going on. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, he could have been a perfect child. Yeah, you never know. But again, as I was thinking about the only son here in verse 2, I along with the, 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 the thing I read earlier, I thought of John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 as well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What a precious, precious thing. Precious, precious thing. I read a I read a thing the other day. I, I again I'm giving away my age, I guess, but um, you know you're getting old when when you get up out of bed in the morning you hear a snap, crackle, pop, and it's not your breakfast cereal. <laughs> you know, I can't help but wonder what could have been going through Isaac and Sarah's minds as every morning they would see that this precious little child that God gave them. And the things, I mean, I know as a parent, I know the things that go through my mind when our children were young and and now with our our eight grandchildren, every time we're around our our, our grandchildren, you know, the, 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 the thoughts that go through your mind. And I don't know, I don't know, this is just how I, my, my weird brain works, but, you know, there are times that I think, and, and I look at my grandchildren, all eight of them, and I think, boy, I wonder, I wonder what Timmy's going to be when he grows up. I wonder what kind of a young man he's going to be. Scarlet or Parker. Little Daniel's going to be a bully. I just know it. <laughs> but you know, you, I think those thoughts. But here Abraham and, and Sarah, they had a child that they knew was the promised seed. Can you imagine? I, I just, I can't. I just can't imagine. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. 
says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang uh, there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in, in, the, in multitude and as the sand which is by the sea, uh, by the seashore, innumerable. One of the things that I had never noticed, I've, I've obviously I've read Hebrews 11 many times, but one of the things that I had never noticed until preparing for this message is this. In, in verse 11, can you go back to verse 11, please? Um, there's a phrase in this verse that I had never see, seen before. It says, Through faith also Sarah rece- uh, herself received strength to conceive seed. She was so old, God had to physically strengthen her so that she could have a baby. That's how old she was. And I, as, I, as I pondered that, I thought that makes it even more impossible. What, a, what an incredible thought. Ben Johnson said this, he knows not his own strength that hath not met adversity. He knows not his own strength that hath not met adversity. And those of you on Facebook, the other day I put this on Facebook, uh, picture number three, Chris. There you go. Hardship often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny, C.S. Lewis. And I, I love that quote. But see, this only happens when we allow God to do the impossible in our lives. So we see the request, point number one. Point number two, uh, we see uh, the response, Genesis chapter uh, 22 verses 3 through 8. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass uh, and took uh, of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went uh, uh, unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his Young men, uh, abide ye here with the asses, and I uh, and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you, uh, come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, 
the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. There's another interesting parallel here that um, we oftentimes miss. And that is, who carried the wood? Isaac did. Isaac carried the very instrument that was probably going to take his life. Just like Jesus did. Interesting. Interesting thought. Beautiful picture here. You know, me personally, you know, it talks about the fact that when they started on the journey that they had at least one ass that they piled a lot of their supplies on for this journey. They could have taken the ass with them and loaded the wood on it. But Abraham didn't do that. He made his son carry the wood. Just like Jesus would do some many years later. Acts chapter 8, verse 25 to 31. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages and of, of, some, of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto a way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and, 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 and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship and was, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, or the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither and, uh, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand this what thou, uh, what thou readest. And he said, How can I except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. You think, okay, why did you just read that passage? <laughs> because of the obedience. Did I give you the, the, the next point here? Immediate obedience? Did I give you that? Okay, letter A, immediate obedience. God told Abraham, go. What did Abraham do? He went. And as I was as I was meditating on this, I thought of I thought of Philip. Philip was a first century believer. 
I'm not quite sure of his standing in the church. I think he, if my memory serves me correct, he was a deacon or something. I can't remember. But anyway, Philip was an important part of the early first century church. And God had a task for Philip to do. And he said, go. And what did Philip do? He went. But that there's something interesting about the, the journey of Philip because then God says, hey, okay, you went, you're in the middle of the desert, and there's a caravan coming, and this Ethiopian, the, the, uh, the guy who is the money man, if you would, for the queen of Ethiopia, is going to be passing by here, and I want you to join yourself to that, to that chariot. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, again, I don't know the answer. I can assume the answer. But <clears throat> do you think that the guy who was in charge of all of the money for the, for the queen of Ethiopia, do you think he would have bodyguards? Absolutely he would. And then God says, hey, Philip, I want you to go out into the desert. Okay, I'll go, boom. And he goes and he gets there and he says, now, I want you to go over to that chariot and talk to that guy. Uh, but God, they got like, like really big swords. But what does Philip do? He went. Immediate obedience. We know because of Philip's obedience that the Ethiopian eunuch would eventually get saved and baptized. And then Philip disappears and God has another job for him. Now what, it, what, you, what you may not have known is that if you do some study, Northern Africa is where Ethiopia is. Shortly after this event, history tells us that a great revival broke out in North Africa. Not only did this Ethiopian eunuch get saved and go back to Africa, but who was the guy that the Roman soldier reached down and said, here, you finish carrying the cross for Jesus. Where do you think he was from? Northern Africa. So Philip's obedience did not just influence one man, but potentially hundreds of thousands. History. I did. I did the study, and it's it's incredible. This, the history of the of the revivals that have taken place in Northern Africa, and and then and they all can be traced back to the first century. Because do you think that this Ethiopian eunuch was an influential guy? Absolutely, he was. When God told Philip to go, he did not hesitate. 
when God told Abraham to go, there was no hesitation. Philip did not stop and say, okay, God, why? But isn't that what we always want to know? Abraham didn't stop and ask why. He just did. Immediate obedience. Both of these men acted in complete faith. Abraham prepared to offer Isaac on an altar. One of the most unimaginable things that any parent could be asked to do. George Mueller said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power stops. God of the impossible. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The calmness. You know, I say this in all sincerity because we don't know how calm Abraham was. We we read this and we, at least I can assume that Abraham was calm about it. That's how it comes across anyway. But the calmness in which Abraham exercises his obedience, I believe is due to his ultimate trust in God that he had learned through the years. He learned through the years that he could trust God with everything in his life. And because that he had he had learned that trust when God said, "Hey, I want you to do something incredibly difficult." He went and did it. He, t- he tells his servants, at least the way I read it, he tells his servants, hey, we'll be back. Why he can say that, we can speculate. But I think at the, at the core of all of it is his undying faith that God would provide a way. He would provide a way. God promised that Isaac would be a seed of many nations. And it's not like Abraham and Sarah had a bunch of kids and, okay, one of them is going to be the seed. No, no, it was Isaac is going to be the seed. And that promise, I can't, I don't know. Again, (laughs) I'm speculating, but I I can't imagine... Abraham walking to the Mount Mount Moriah 
and not thinking over and over and over in his head, thinking, God, you promised that he would be the seed. He would be the seed. And I'm going to trust that there's a way out. But I'm going to be obedient. The most important element of this trail of faith that we've been talking about that leads to Mount Moriah is the fact that Abraham chose faith over fear. So often, we allow fear to come into our lives. And we, when, when fear comes into our lives, we start... Um, second-guessing God, do we not? We we start to question and say, I, I could just see Philip, you know, the, again, this is my imagination, standing there saying, okay, God, do you want me to go to that chariot, the one with all the bodyguards? Are, are you sure it's that chariot? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a fleece. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Now, and I've taught, I've taught on this, and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with fleeces, but there are times in our lives that God just wants us to trust Him. And, he, and, and Philip, he said, Philip, go to that chariot. And Philip went. And I believe because of his obedience that the lives of many, many people were changed. D.L. Moody once said this, I prayed for faith and it did not come. But when I read the Word of God, then faith came. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Abraham trusted the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called according that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a look into, I think, the heart and the thinking of Abraham. Here we're told in verse 19 that I believe what what this is saying is that Abraham knew in his heart that if he did have to kill Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. If it had to go that far, Abraham believed that he would raise him from the dead. What an incredible faith. What an incredible faith. All because he knew and believed that Isaac was the promised, the promised seed of the nation of Israel. Isaac was obedient. 
as well. And we talked about that already. You know, he, he was the one that carried the wood. He was the one that laid down on the altar. He was the one that was willing to give his life. John chapter 7, excuse me, John chapter 19, verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew, Golgotha. It is also interesting that. Abraham left his servants and his supplies at a, at, a, at a base camp, if you would. As Christians today, there are things that we need to leave behind in order to worship Christ. We are so consumed with the things of this world and Abraham, Abraham and his son Isaac were, were going to go worship God. And they left all their worldly possessions behind to do that. Left the servants and just left everything so that they could go worship God with no distractions. And there are times in our lives as believers, there are times that we need to learn to do that. We need to just leave it all behind and go worship God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, whom for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Immediate obedience. Next week we'll look at another uh, type of obedience, faithful obedience. We'll pick it up there. Faithful obedience. Not only was it immediate, but it was faithful. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. We ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would help us, dear God, to be known by our faith. We are so grateful and thankful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.